Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Naeem Fazel podcast. Naeem, what's up, man? How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Good, man. So for you guys wondering why we were coming on laughing right now, it's because I asked Naeem to count us down uh, before we, we went and we hit record, and he gave me the most lamest. He counted up, okay, first of all. Like, I know that, you know, you have sometimes an issue with some order of things, Naeem. Yes, but, I do. I do. I'm just but, like sick, and I get stuff from dysgraphia, so shame on you. <laughs> i'm not shaming you man i'm, I'm just okay. just letting them know what's going on a little insight here a little <laughs> insight here but yeah man so we're picking back up with our dark room sessions we have episode three today we have a special guest you want to just give us a little background on who we're talking to today yeah man so pump jess Connolly is going to be our guest today at the dark room sessions um, and man, what a great conversation. I've known her for over 15 years and uh, just been inspired by her obedience to uh, what God has been doing in her life. And, you know, I've because I've known her for so long, I've seen the journey from where uh, she's kind of come from. And now, man, she is just a leading voice uh, and influencing her generation. And I am so pumped about it. We have really raw conversations and uh, we, t- we talk about weed a little bit uh, as well. So we do, we do, uh, but it's, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. So I can't wait for our listeners uh, to, uh, yeah, to have a listen. Yeah, I'm really pumped myself for this one. So uh, without further ado, we're just going to go ahead and dive right into it. Hey, Jess. Hi, I'm so grateful to be here. Oh, man. I, so I was thinking about this. We know each other for how long now? 15 years? 15 no, years. no, no. Almost 16. Almost 16 years. Yeah. Fun fact, though. So we met you guys, uh, you and Nick. Um, let's see. Where what We met you in... Was it Charlotte? No, I, no, no, you guys still lived in Charleston. And we came... We didn't even live That's in Charleston. It. But we like came to an info meeting at your house about Mosaic starting the church mosaic yeah yeah and then yeah. you guys ended up moving we to moved charlotte. you guys back to charlotte yeah yeah we were there for about two years until we moved on yeah moved back to charleston we no, 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 no. we no, went around the true. world we went to seattle and I then remember those to Talk columbia and then <laughs> to indiana and then back to charleston oh you're right but right. I'm going to tell you what, we, we stay all the time. Nick and I are not on the same page, but the place I could, I could blink and go back to would be Charlotte. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm like, fun. no, no, I would, God would not need to tempt me at all. I'd be like, okay, I'm in, I'm in. Well, part of it is because it's also close to, uh, close to home, obviously, and close yeah. to what you're used to too, you know, because people yeah. are different in different parts of the world and or even yeah. states. And so, yeah, I can totally see that, but it's a That's huge true. difference between Charlotte and Charleston huge yeah huge big difference big, big difference but you know we grew up in charlotte too so that's the yes. reason that it's just yeah. always gonna have a piece of our heart so so i mean just for our listeners it's kind of a funny uh, not not funny but kind of cool thing number one so we met you guys then you guys introduced me to uh derwin gray did you know yeah that? yeah that makes sense because i mean we had we knew him from growing up at forest hill Yes. And then I met him at the first time with you guys. Um, He's going to be on the podcast in a couple of weeks as well. Um, And uh, yeah, that was that was crazy. And then I recently drove by a a place. uh, It was a Chipotle's place. And 
I remember, I don't even know how many years ago, this was like had to be 12 years ago or so, you were helping me out and trying to buy me or we we're trying, looking for a stool. Yep. So yeah. goofy. I remember <laughs> looking for that stool. It's It was serious business. I mean, we were going to find the right one. Yeah, because that time, if you didn't have a cool stool to speak from, you weren't some, anybody. You were nothing. You were nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and you were like, I got this place. And it was like $4,000, not really. It was so expensive. It was expensive though. It it lasted forever though, that's for sure. Just for for reference, I now use an Ikea chair, one of the just tall $100 Ikea chairs. So (laughs) fine, you moved on. Be on the same page, yeah. (laughs) I have, I just quit sitting on stools. (laughs) Yeah, I I also should not be sitting when teaching. (laughs) So. Okay, well, let's let's get into the stuff here. So, um, so friends, uh, so obviously, uh, Jess and I know each other for a while. Served, she served at Mosaic. Nick served at Mosaic, and they're just amazing people. Uh, honestly, uh, servant awesome. hearts, and it was it was it was just um, great to have start up start church with people who kind of uh, knew uh, the city, knew uh, uh, what we're about, and so um, thank you. Thank you so much for being a part of this. So tell us a little about yourself uh, so our listeners would know. I mean, I'm surprised no one, I mean, no one would not know you because you kind of, you kind of blew up in a good way. Um, yeah. Well, right. There, so tell us who you are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Nick and I lead Bright City Church here in Charleston, which, um, yeah, those years at Mosaic were so wildly formative and I would say definitely helped us fall in love with church planting and church Mm -hmm. in general. Um, But still not really something we ever saw. Definitely never saw ourselves in Charleston, but God did. Um, So we lead Bright City Church. We've got four kids, which, you know, in a pandemic means like they're various various levels of homeschooling and teenage wildness and they're fun. They're amazing. We're having a lot of fun, but, um, and then I also write books so, um, yeah, you do that. Do. Yeah. Pretty consistently. And, um, I also lead, um, an organization called go and tell gals, which coaches women in their God-given calling. So we coach all types of women and because that isn't enough, I just decided this year to become a fitness instructor. So I also teach I'm sorry, what? classes. Did you know this? <laughs> no, I did not know this. Yeah. You're teaching Zumba. I know I teach bar. <laughs> Bar three. Do you know about bars? Bar big and Charlotte. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Ashley did bar. My wife did bar for uh, a year or two. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm also doing that just for fun. So because... you're at the bar. Yes. Most of... Okay. Yes. Yes. It's so that... many fun jokes that we could have there, but yeah. <laughs> that, when did you start this? I started in the middle of the pandemic because you know, a part of my job as a Bible teacher and a book writer is traveling. And so in the midst of the pandemic, all the travel was canceled. Yeah. And so I was like, what? I mean, I got a lot of time at home right now. (laughs) I think I'll do something else. So I decided to become a bar instructor and it's really fun. It's a great way. It's a great way to connect with people who don't know God in my city, Uh, Yeah. you know, and to just get around people who, who don't care about church world, who don't care about Christian books. Um, so that's great that's great now you're also part of another ministry too with your sister right go and tell gals that's um yeah that is yeah because i think of i think of the 
the the skirts i think of like uh, i don't know why i'm no that's katie that's my sister's small business francis and benedict yeah but you're not part of that no i just cheer her on in it (laughs) what yeah i thought you okay okay i mean i just like that business because of you so now that i know (laughs) well she is my sister she's doing great work i'm really proud of her she is she is awesome she's awesome all right well um Okay, so you do a lot of uh, a lot of things, um, and so you can speak into a lot of things. So here's the sessions we're doing these darkroom sessions, and kind of like the big idea is is that um, um, you know the darkroom is where kind of in as a photographer or uh, is where you do you know do you develop something you bring a negative into something that you bring something to life and so i just thought man it would be a great conversation for you and i to have about how does god develop or how has god developed you how he is developing you in dark rooms in the sense of yours of the night you know uh, and developing and bringing out life in you um and i like i mentioned before i didn't want to i want to call these things green room sessions but green room sessions as leaders the green room talk is good but it's really not it's not like it's fake but it's just has a has like a filter on it like a really nice uh paris filter on instagram on it you know like a you know so um so i'm just grateful for you because i know that you and i can have a really great conversation about the dark night of the soul as one um, uh, author puts it um you know so and it's interesting. I didn't, I didn't tell you this before prepping, but I got in like trouble. I used quotation marks around trouble. I got in trouble a few years ago. Um, cause I, I started using the phrase kill the green room. Um, oh. I started using that phrase pretty intently, but in general, um, what you should know is I'm not a green room lover. Like I, I, first of all, I don't function very well in them anyhow, because I don't have a filter. And so the things you're supposed to say, the, like the networking you're supposed to do, I don't do great at that. Um, because I don't know, right? I just feel like souls need honest places. I, I have like a million thoughts about Christian fame and how messy it is for our souls. And mm. um, so in general, I don't like thrive in the green room, but also because a part of my bend is that I genuinely want, specifically, I want more women doing what I'm doing. I want more women leading churches. I want more women writing books. I want more women on podcasts. I want more women in ministry. Um, Mm. And so I think there's something really important about like eliminating the green room for them and saying like, this is not some elite special place that you're never going to find out what we're talking about. So I just can't say enough how much I love that you're talking about this. And let me say this. Okay. When I got in trouble a few years ago saying that, I I mean, I got in trouble. This has nothing to do with Mosaic, right? No. (laughs) Oh my gosh. No, no. This is like when I started traveling to teach or I'm starting to go into bigger conferences and I realized like there, this is like an icky kind of feeling happening in these green rooms. But um, when I, when I started to say that I had a few friends who were authors and speakers say like, Hey, but like the green room is a safe place for us. Like that's, it's okay for us to feel safe there. And I was like, what's your definition of safe? What's your definition of safe? Like mm-hmm. anywhere I have to pretend that I'm okay. I'm not safe. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. is my soul nurtured there? I'm not safe there. So, um, in general, um, I love this. I think that these are the conversations we have to have. They're so, so, so important. That's awesome. All right. Well, let's just jump into it. So, um, 
uh, first question for you, okay? First question is, um, um, how did you really get to where um, you are right now? I mean, I know you're in, where you wear multiple hats, but in spiritual leadership, in terms of leading a church, right, being a voice, uh, a leading voice uh, for this generation, how, do you, how, how did God get you here? Okay. I love this question and I love that it's you asking this question because I get to share a backstory that I don't always get to share. So when I was at Mosaic, I had this incredible pastor's wife at the time. She wasn't a pastor. She was a pastor's wife. Her name was Ashley Fazel. <laughs> and um, Ashley loved God and she loved people. And I loved how she loved God. And I loved how she loved people. It was so genuine. It was so honest. And Ashley had a blog and all I knew about blog, blogging then in 2004, 2005 was not what it was now. Um, you know, there, there really was no social media. Mm -hmm. So you would blog and then you would email people and tell them that you blogged. <laughs> <You're right. I laughs> like oh, what you, so or bad. like you would like write out your blog name on like a piece of yeah. paper and hand it to people. And then, or you'll send them a, by mail, like a written mail, a card Literally. that says, I blogged. <laughs> <laughs> I blogged. Um, so Ashley had a blog, but my perspective of people who blogged at the time in 2005 was that they were like self-centered or they just were all about themselves. But then I met Ashley and Ashley had a blog and I was like, well, Ashley is not self-centered and I loved reading her blog. And so I decided to start a blog and I was like, if Ashley's going to do it, I'm going to do it. And, um, so I started a blog and I, my first blog post ever was about Jessica Simpson's hair and how much I liked it. Um, and then like a few days later, I wrote about, um, the Bible. And then I think I wrote about shoes from Jessica from to right. the Bible. It was just really real. And then I would like write about my baby and then I would write about church. And then I, I, I was all over the place. Um, but what happened is that after we left Mosaic, we felt called to the West coast, um, mm -hmm. specifically to run a maternity home. Oh yeah. To help lead a church out there. And what happened is our life just kind of broke. We went through like five years of really intense brokenness. We went through um, like poverty and ministry. We went through really serious sickness. Our, our daughter had a, a serious seizure disorder and um, I went through postpartum depression and uh, our, our life just broke. The wheels kind of fell off yeah. and all throughout that I was blogging. And so I tell people, like, when people ask, like, how did you get started? I say, like, my life just kind of went off the, off the train tracks and people couldn't look away. And I kept blogging about it as so if people kept reading the blog. <laughs> um, and from there, what God did was a, a wild healing work in my heart. And so he brought healing from postpartum depression and he mm. brought healing to our daughter who had the, the horrific seizure disorder. And, you know, some things like kept stayed broken, but um, in the midst of that, I God birthed this really wild desire in me to see women experience abundance in the midst of their own brokenness. Mm. And so that turned into book writing. And the more I did book writing and small business online, I realized I wanted to help other women do that. And so that turned into coaching. Um, and all along, you know, Nick and I met when we were 16. And the, the first day we met, we both knew we were called to the local church and we were called to build it together. But during that really broken season, we were like, forget it. This is hard like the local church is a mess. This is a mess. Um, and so as God was healing these different parts of our lives, 
it just made sense that that piece came back and that God said like, no, this is still who you are. And so that's where Bright City came in. Um, mm. City called us to start Bright City. And so all of it came really because Ashley had a blog is what I'm saying. <laughs> right. Wow. No, I mean, obviously that got used, but I mean, I think all of it came with you just following the next right thing to do in terms of what God's spirit was leading you to do. Because I do remember having conversations with Nick uh, and you guys were in a very dark place. I mean, yeah. I remember having conversations with Ashley about you guys and going, Oh, I don't even know, man. I don't even know how these guys are going to make it. Like they need to come back or do, yeah. they need to do something like for the love and just conversations about the girls and the, the, the home you guys were taking. I mean, I'm like, so, wow. So you've been in a lot of dark rooms. Um, so, okay. Okay. Um, so that's what led you to, because let me ask you this. What is one thing that you thought like um, you never would have struggled with? Like, I know the personality wise, we struggle with certain things and we kind of even know, oh, I always struggle with this. But what's one thing that you, as you started entering into like, okay, I'm on this, I'm on this ride. I'm on this, like, um, like I'm, I'm doing, I'm in spiritual leadership and people are listening to me and I've got some kind of a voice. Um, then what is that one thing that came crept up that you're like, Oh my gosh, I never thought I'd struggle with this though. Yeah. It's so easy for me to pinpoint and it's interesting. It's, it's one of those things when you say it out loud, I feel like sometimes people roll their eyes, but I, I am just going to say like, go with me. Like, and it's helpful to talk about it with you because you, you did know us in that dark season. And so, um, even zooming out like a, a foot from that, um, so before that really dark season, like growing up in high school, I was a really low achiever. I barely graduated high school. I shouldn't have made it into college. Um, I, I have very high achieving women in my family. And I always say I, I'm like a sloth compared to them. I, mm. I was always like, no one expected a lot from me. Um, it truly, my mom is my biggest fan. But if, if you say like, where did you think Jess would be like, um, when she was in high school, she would say like, maybe in jail. Like <laughs> that's kind of what we thought. Like, I, I was not on a great path before I met Jesus. And so then in those kind of formative years of my twenties, really walking through so much darkness and walking through so much heaviness and, and through so much failure, like just so much, what felt like so much failure to me. Um, the hardest thing for me to get over has been the fear of success. And the, the fear, fear of success? The fear of success. The fear and, so when I say it out loud, I feel like a lot of people are like, oh yeah, it's so scary to do good things. <laughs> but I honestly think a lot of us thrive. Thrive is not the right word. I think a lot of us know how to do broken and mundane mm -hmm. and trauma better than we know how to do help yeah yeah and we know how to do like staying in the confines of cultural constraints and expectations better than we know how to do bravery and obedience mm -hmm. and so number one I think um 
I think it has continually been hard for me as a church leader and as a business leader specifically. And I mean, what, you know, when you write books, that's a business. Um, and when you lead a church, you're leading that you're, you're in a leadership position, obviously then, um, leading, leading my actual business, go and tell gals. What I found is that there is just this wild propensity in me to like play small, to stay safe, Mm -hmm. to do the smaller thing. And then what I, what God has continually showed me is that every time I operate out of that, everybody else around me has to live under those same limitations. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 I, I wouldn't, no one could have ever t- like told me that was coming in a way that I would have believed them. Cause I would have thought like, no, if things work out, I'll be blessed. Right. Um, but um, you know, to be in a place as a church leader where I have to be the one that says like, I, I get to be the one and I get to do it with my husband, but to say like, I think this is where God's taking us. Let's take that hill. Yeah. Um, it, it's just a lot easier. My propensity is instead like, well, we've got a, we got a hundred people here who really love each other. Let's just do that. Mm. let's just stay there yeah yeah, yeah. so um I I never would have seen that coming but to me there's a lot of fear wrapped up in success again like I I do dark room a lot better than I do green room (laughs) (laughs) um and I haven't quite figured out how to navigate that except for just being really raw and talking to God about it a lot yeah I mean when you think of uh the fear of success uh, and the way you described it you know I think people don't realize, and I did not realize this, uh, is that, you know, living in the mundane or playing small, in a sense, is a wide space. It's a wide, uh, say it's it's ground floor, you know, in a sense where it, there's yeah. a lot of room to kind of be, um, be, to make mistakes and just be, just hang. Um, well, as soon as you hit some level of success or something and people listening, all of a sudden you're on this tightrope. And then when you're on the tightrope, you always are on the tight rope. So it's you're higher and above everybody. And people go, oh my God, that's so amazing. But you're on a tight rope. So all the space, the steps, your path has shrunk to now a balance, balancing act of, of anywhere, you know, one wrong move and you fall. Yeah. So yeah, I totally yeah. get that. And it's the fear of success is, is like, uh, I feel like sometimes the higher you hit uh kind of celebrity su- success the thinner that rope gets um and you don't even realize it and you know we see people fall from it all the time um yeah and so i i i, I totally understand that i get that mm-hmm. i get that and they, there's a certain level of, of anxiety yeah. that right i mean have you thought right. of like hey can i just like stop all of this and just go back and not and stay yeah. hidden yeah. I think like, what would it be like if my only goal is to like get the laundry done? <laughs> yeah, right. Right. And you if I had the... a, yeah. I mean, if I have a bad day right now, if I have a bad day right now, we're talking like, there's such a ripple effect. Yeah. There's you yes, know? yes, yes. I can take a lot of people out with a, a bad mood. I can take a lot of fruit out with a bad mood. Now here's what we know. Like Here's what we know that the the gal who's at home just doing laundry, like the same is actually true for her. There's so much consequence if she doesn't lead herself well, if she doesn't take care of her soul. Um, I just think that it's harder to see it sometimes. And, mm-hmm. and it's so, um, as your influence grows, you're just so much more aware. Yeah, about, yeah. 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 And I mean, I'm glad you're watching. Yeah, I'm glad you said that 
but I don't want to take away from the person who's not in this, in this, uh, in this, in, you know, and not in this leadership uh, um, environment. But the truth is, is that, you know, we don't want to minimize that too. Like we don't want to minimize that, but we don't want to minimize the fact that, hey, not everybody should aspire to be leaders. Yeah. Like I think we live in a culture of like, everybody needs to be a leader and you can do it. No, no, someone's got to follow. Like someone's got to do something else. Like, like, so, um, but there are like, I think when leaders get real about some things, then, uh, then you actually lead out of like an uh, authentic heart and a wholeheartedness versus a fake half-heartedness in in things. Because the problem with leadership is that there's so much talent. So that accompanies it. So I remember just really quick, I remember that when you were one of the roles at Mosaic, you were actually my quote unquote Sunday morning assistant. That comes with the whole stool story, uh, mm-hmm. bar stool story. And then that, and that right before I would get up to speak, you would take it from backstage and, or put it on, on the stage and prep uh-huh. that. And I actually remember having this conversation in my head, going up, going, what is this woman doing this for? Like, why is she doing this? Like she has so much potential. Why in the world is she carrying my stool up? Like, and I felt like right there, it's this idea of like, I'll hide behind this. I'll do something so useful and so practically helpful. So I don't have to get on the tight rope of success. Why are you trying to read my mail, Naeem? Also, like I was 21. So like, give me a pass. You know what I'm saying? I know, but, but you yeah. know it and I knew it. I, t- I, t- I literally, before I came on this podcast, I was telling someone how I knew you um, and they were asking like what I did at the church during that season. And I was like, I remember it, it was my most outright rebellion with God. that I was like, I don't, I don't want to do anything at the church. Like Nick can do some stuff at the church. I wanted to work at anthropology and make yeah. money and like not have any consequence. And it was, a ma- it, I, th- I think it, it was a massive, I just decided like, I can't, I'm not fit for this. I'm not good enough yeah. for this. I'm not godly enough for this. Um, I mean, was, I knew that, but I still thought you had potential though. <laughs> I, I really probably wasn't godly enough. Like I really probably need to get some stuff in order. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that later. All yeah. the things you repent from. I also today. remember the, the night that Ashley caught me smoking at small groups. Like if you want to like take it there, <laughs> we can also say that. Yes, 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 yeah. yes. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. And it was not weed though, so at least I don't think so. So it's good. Oh, wait, wait, what did you say? Sorry. I, I said it wasn't weed. Was it? It wasn't weed though. <laughs> I don't know. You never know. <laughs> it wasn't weed. So you heard it here, friends. Yes, Connery <laughs> does not smoke weed. I, okay. I do not smoke weed. Not not on what is it? What's today? Not on, on Wednesdays. Not on Thursdays. This is such an unfortunate time for my internet to be cutting out because I have no idea what you're saying. I said, did you hear me now? I can hear you now. Okay. I, I said might it. turn my video off and see if that helps me. Okay. Perfect. There we go. Awesome. Um, no, I was just saying Thursdays is not weed smoking days. So. No, no days are weed smoking days. I just okay. want to clarify for everyone. Yes. Yes. She does <laughs> not smoke weed. Um, okay. So where are we? Where are we? Go- where- How do we get here? <laughs> I don't even I don't know. know. Uh, oh yeah. Okay. 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 So, so you did it. You actually uh, lived out this idea of like, I don't want to be. I have a fear of success, 
And so I'd rather hide in the shadows. And I think it's so true. I think people need to know that. But even now as leaders, we sometimes want to just get off the sight rope and yeah. just be unknown. Even the most, you know, uh, because because it's, it's so much, right? It's so much. Yeah. Like you have people handling your quote unquote brand now. You have people telling the story of your life or your day and or or the whole idea of storytelling or uh, right all of that is like just get me off of this thing tell me oh, you're still there sorry i lost you and i didn't hear the actual question i don't think there was oh, i said just get me off of this this cycle of uh always having to perform I can hear you though, Jess. You can hear me. I just can't, yeah. I can, I, I lost you for a second. I think I can hear you now. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, Ask the question. Right. I'm so sorry. No, 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 no. I was just kind of. What do you do uh, when you want to get off the, the tightrope? Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. So you, I mean, you told me what you struggle with. Okay. So, so what do you do with that? Like, you know, so you're, are you, you, do you think you're over it? Do you think you're over it? Oh, the, no. That's okay. I'm so sorry. Can you hear me now? I I can hear like every three words. If you can hear me fine, I can answer what I think you asked. Okay, go for it. Okay. Go for it. So, yeah. I mean, first of all, I think, I think you have to be really honest with the right people around you. So, um I absolutely still have moments. I mean, I, I feel like my weeks are, I could better describe how many, I could better tell you how many weeks I don't feel like I want to get off the tightrope than I could say like the number of weeks I want to, I want to get off. Like I, it is pretty often. Um, and honestly, I've, I've stopped feeling wildly discouraged about that because I think it keeps me really like humble and honest. I, I, I'm not in a season of my life or in my ministry and I may get there, but I'm not in a season of my life or my ministry where I think like, man, I'm killing it. Like I've got this, I'm doing great at this. I, I can do all of this on, in my own strength. And instead I, I do tend to like stay pretty weak and stay pretty humbled by what God is up to and by what he's doing in my life. And so for me, I have to stay really honest with God. I have to stay yeah. really desperate and honest with him to tell him like, this is how I'm feeling. This is how I'm doing. Mm -hmm. This is what I think is my responsibility. This is what I think is my responsibility and it might not be. Um, and then I have to stay really honest with actual people in my life. Um, my husband, this would be like my husband for me, my mom, um, having a few people again, that I don't have to be green roomish around that I can, that I can say like the whole the whole story. Like, this is what I'm scared of. This is what I'm excited about. This is what I'm dreaming about letting them speak into my life. And in different seasons, that's also looked like having a professional counselor. Um, pretty much anytime I'm in a book launch season, I am in, I'm in like a weekly counseling session. Um, mm. just because I can't, I can't do that kind of pushing without having a professional who's checking in with me. Um, but yeah, it, it really all comes back to like humility and honesty for me, humility and honesty, humility and honesty. Like, am, do I like sense that I still need God? Well, then I'm going to feel really good about that. I'm going to choose to like, instead of hating the feeling of being desperate and hating the feeling of 
of like knowing that I can't do this all on my own. I'm going to learn to love the fact that God's given me a life that I can't do in my own strength. And I'm going to be really honest with people about how that feels and what's hard about it. Do you think you struggle with not wanting to say this to people because they wouldn't be able to handle it? Yes. And it's two things. Number one, I, I made a decision, especially when I went into publishing, um, that I, I would often hear authors like complain about how hard it was. And I would hear them like talk about like, I don't, I don't know, like more about their journey than they did about their reader. And so I made a decision and, and the same way I coach other authors or other women in business that publicly what I'm going to, what you're going to hear me talk about the most is the person I'm serving. Like that's what you're going to, you're going to hear me. So if you look on any of my Instagram posts, you'll see, I'm talking about the person who's reading it. I'm talking about their life. I'm talking about what God's called them to. I'm talking about how he's mighty in them. Um, because I just want that to be my main message. I want that to be what they hear the most. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's step one. Number one, I just like the internet, the public, my books, that's not my like processing place. You know, that's not for me. That's for them. But the other thing is like, even when you're talking church ministry, I have learned a really a handful of times that there really are limits to what people can hear from their leaders. And mm -hmm. I would think, especially in my early church planning days, if somebody came to church and they seemed like we could be friends and we'd get close. And then I'd tell them something hard about my life or something that I was struggling with. And I would just see it hit their face and they'd be like, why did you tell me that? I did not <laughs> want to know that. Like, I cannot handle that. Um, and I think that's fair and that's totally fine. Um, and so I think it's the difference between, right, being like transparent and vulnerable. And I'm, I'm sure you've heard this distinction, um, but like transparent means that like, I'm honest, like you could, you're going to always get the real me, but vulnerable means you can wound me. And so like the people I'm leading, I'm always going to be transparent with them. I'm always going to be honest with them, but I'm not going to be vulnerable with them because then I would have like a soul chopped up into little pieces. Hmm. So how do you know who to be vulnerable with? Oh, Lord, isn't that the question? <laughs> um, I don't, I, I think I get it wrong a lot. I'll say that. I think I get it wrong a lot. I think um, I do trust those people in my life. I trust, I, I again, specifically my husband and my mom are really good litmus tests for me of they, they will like both literally genuinely weigh in like, Hey, I think this person is trustworthy. I think they've got your back. I think, I think they're in a, in a space where they really can like hold some of your things. Yeah. Um, but I, I would say after that, I kind of learn by watching how they're leading themselves. And so for me, like there's two things that I'm looking for and someone that I can be really vulnerable with. Number one, that they um, can experience their own weakness and mm -hmm. that they can lead themselves or like allow God to lead them through their own weakness. What do you mean experience their own weakness? As in they admit their own weakness or they're aware of their own weakness? Yeah, like they're aware and they're awake to it and okay. they're not stuffing it. They're not hiding it. They're not, they're not like coming into any relationship or scenario um, needing to like be the best or needing to not have weakness. So that's a great example for me of why a green room is never going to be like a safe and vulnerable, vulnerable space because most people in a green room 
are not accessing their weakness when they're in a green room. And that's fine. That's good. That's fine. Um, but so it would be so damaging and unhelpful for me to walk in and be like, guys, help. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 I love what you said about this processing place, because I think some people use social media as a processing place, you know, even, yeah. and even, and even like, um, I think, uh, uh, influencers or celebrities or content creators, they'll use it. And if that becomes their thing and people are liking that, then they'll continually yeah. do that. But there's also a veneer to that. Like their, their idea is I'm raw and honest and vulnerable, but you're really not. You're just, yeah. that is your stick now, your stick. Um, it's, and it's really dangerous. It's yeah, really it is. dangerous. Yeah. It's dangerous yeah. for, for the soul, but it's also dangerous for the kingdom. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. Like, because it, it starts creating this, uh, this movement of Jesus, uh, and it cre creates a culture around Jesus people that is just not, not true anymore. I think like, yeah. I think that's why I appreciate you because, uh, there, you know, the, the world really does need, um, um, you know, leaders like you to uh, reclaim, uh, reimagine, you know, what a movement and what Christianity looks like. And I think it starts with trying to sift through all kinds of leadership, um, personalities and leadership platforms mm -hmm. out there and really find out what is, where's Jesus in, in the midst of all of this, you know? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's great. Um, let me ask you this. Um, so when it comes to, so why do you, why the struggle? Like, why haven't you got off the tightrope? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, number one is cause God has, it's not, I want to obey God more than I want a tidy life. And more than I want a comfortable life, I want to obey God. I think at m most days I forget that I want to obey God, <laughs> <laughs> but I really, I know that that's, I know my soul was made to respond to him with a yes, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that's the number one answer. The number two answer is li seeing life change helps, you know? I think that I really, everything that I'm, everything that I'm like getting my knees bloody working on right now, um, the local church, I like genuinely believe God loves the local church and he is using it and will use it and is going to redeem and restore it. And, and, and the local church, especially in America is, and will continue to experience renewal. And so I, I care about that. So I'm like, I care about that. So mm -hmm. that keeps me in. I think um, books change lives. So that keeps me mm -hmm. around them. Um, mm -hmm. The internet, it did, it's, a, it's a hit or miss. I'll tell you what, I think like <laughs> 2020 made me really question, like, do people change because of social media? I do see good things happening here. Mm -hmm. um, but I see so many more damaging things happening on it than I see good. I, mean, I don't know. I don't know how to qualify it, but so um, I, I think at the end of the day, until God says stop there, I'll just stay in. But um, yeah, I think it's both of those things. I think it's obedience and genuinely seeing the fruit and seeing the life change keeps me in. Hmm. Um, how often have you thought of like quitting? 
Okay. Well, <laughs> I would say there are seasons where I think about it multiple times a day. Okay. I find that interestingly, those seasons don't always come when things are really hard. I think sometimes it comes when they're, uh, I'm coming out of one of those seasons. This is very honest, dark room talk. I'm coming out of one of those seasons, January to maybe the beginning of March. Um, I talked about quitting a lot. I talked about it a lot. And I think I, I knew it was like really off the table. Um, I, I knew the real option of quitting was off the table, but I like genuinely considered it pretty much every day and, and like talked around it. And the mm -hmm. reason why is it wasn't because it was like a heartbreaking, horrible, hard season, but it was just hard enough that I was like, why would I expose myself to this? Like, mm -hmm. it was just a lot of like paper cuts of ministry and work and I was like, why, why everybody mm -hmm. else seems to like, kind of have it easier. Like, why am I doing this? So what kept me in, in that season is thankfully, I felt like I just had a lot of really strong prophetic people around me who said, Hey, this is only like this because of the fruit that's ahead. This is only like this because of the fruit that's ahead. Do not give up. Do not grow weary of doing good. Stay in it. And that really, really, really helped me. Mm -hmm. Um, but Nick and I have kind of like, I think one thing that's really helped us is that we have an open quitting policy, like on the table at all times. And that might sound really dangerous to a lot of people. Like it's not, it's not like, it's, it's not like in marriage, like you don't want to like throw out the word divorce because then once you throw it out, that's all you see. But like for Nick and I to have said to one another, like, I will love you you will still be you if you don't do ministry. We'll still yeah. be us if you don't do ministry. Yeah. That's given me yeah. a lot of freedom because then I know yeah, I'm doing huge. it because I want to, you know? Yeah. Not because like my life doesn't work if I don't do it. Yeah, yeah. It also reminds uh, reminds your, you and the people around you that you're not a product, you're a person. Yeah. And as soon as you uh, can, you know, treat yourself as a product, then you give other people to treat you as a product and uh, they forget and they just appreciate you as a product. And uh, the truth is that when you are uh, living a life of you know, spiritual success or ministry success, you're, you're creating content, you are a product um, yeah. to a lot of people and you're not even a person. So I think uh, bringing the back, the, you know, the humanity is so, so important. Um, mm -hmm you know um just acknowledging the your um you know human presence versus you know we think about honoring you know god's presence but there is a sense of the human presence that we are human at the end of the day i thought yeah. i think like i think if people in our followers and our people knew that i think they would even treat us less harshly online mm -hmm. um so but yeah that's great um, I'm loving this. This is great. Thank you for being super honest about that. Um, all right. I know we could talk forever, but I do want to respect your time. Um, let me end with, um, all right. Is there anything like you're like, um, this is okay. I'll ask you this because you and I go back, uh, way back, but is there something you're like, man, I was really afraid to say this. Uh, but now I'm okay to just go ahead and say this. Is there anything like that? Hmm. Like if you have thought like if I say this, this is gonna hurt my brand. <laughs> like it's gonna hurt. Ooh. Yeah, there's a lot of things. It doesn't have to be like definite. That. It has to be, it could be a, like a, I'm not quite sure. I don't even know. 
Like I, 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 yeah, uh, yeah. I, I'm processing this. Yeah. I, I think like, I, because I think the thing that we worry about when we have statements like that, it's, it's, it's because everybody's attention span is so short. So when Mm -hmm. you say something quick and you don't have the time to process it all the way out, you're like, oh, how's this going to get taken the wrong way? Um, But so this is something that I'm like, I would have been scared to say this, but it feels really important to say is that I have serious, serious doubts about God. (laughs) (laughs) And like, I, I don't, I don't, I think I don't doubt God in like some of the more like um, acceptable or normal ways. Like I don't, I, to me, it's either like all in or all out. So like, I, I don't know, like I, but I, but that there are a lot of days when I start reading my Bible, I'll say this, I'll say this. So Nick and I went on sabbatical for the first time. It was our seventh year in ministry. We went on sabbatical this past summer and mm-hmm. it was already a wild time. Cause we were, you know, we, we had this whole sabbatical plan that got canceled due to the pandemic. So we just ended up going away for a month with our kids and similar to our, like, you get to be a human, you get to quit if you need to quit. We, um, we both without really talking about it and we didn't know it would happen and we certainly didn't plan it, but we both said that in the first week of sabbatical, we let kind of our like serious doubts about the existence of God bubble up to the surface. Um, and we didn't talk about it to each other. We just talked about it like in our journals Mm -hmm. and like processed it. Um, and so here's what I'll say is what happened is that I realized, um, that by like the seventh or eighth day of like really questioning, like, is God real? That I was talking to God about whether or not God was real. (laughs) And so I was like, if I'm praying about, if I'm like, if I like the only person I know to talk to about this is God, then like, that's maybe a good sign, (laughs) you know, like that's like helpful. Um, but I would say like, I would tell people I spend time with God every day. I'm pretty fastidious about getting with God every day. And that's not an earning thing. It's like a, it's what I need to do to survive. Mm -hmm. But pretty much every morning when I start time with God, I'm like, is this real? Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But for me, that doubt like makes my, makes the moments of faith feel that much stronger. Mm -hmm. Um, and it makes it feel that much more real, but I, yeah, I'd say that that's my thing. Uh, thank you for that. I think, uh, I think that is so good for you to say, for, uh, us to hear. Um, and I would second that for Mm -hmm. sure. Um, people need to know that. Um, because, you know, we don't have an insecure God, you know, so yeah, yeah. we can do that. Yeah. So, um, all right. Well, let me, let, let's end this thing because we could keep on going. So let's end with this. Um, how, what are you working on right now? Why are you excited about it? How can people get in touch with you? So this is your, like, tell everybody what you're doing. How can they get in touch with you? Yeah. All that stuff. I'm uh, Jess A. Connolly on Instagram, jessconnolly.com on the internet. And um, the next few months, all I am talking about in the whole world is body image. I've got a new book coming out in June called Breaking Free from Body Shame. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited about that. And so yes. um, full disclosure, if you come, you're going to hear about, about body image and how God made us. Um, but yeah, that's what I got going on. Awesome. All right. Well, hey, um, Jess, thanks so much. Um, hope it wasn't uh, too uncomfortable, but problem <laughs> is, is like I've got all these friends on, 
and I need to get like super real with them. So, um, but hey, thank you for this. Thank you for your time. I know you juggle a whole lot of things. So blessings, friend, you're amazing. So grateful for you. Thank you for having me. Man, seriously doubting God's existence. I, um, I know for me, like I never thought that this would be something that, you know, I would hear a leader be so honest about, um, but it really, yeah. it truly just gives me so much hope just sitting here listening to that, um, that it's okay to, to have some doubts sometimes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And man, you know, I, I do really so appreciate her because of our background and because of our history, it's uh, easier for her to be a little bit more honest and raw about some things, but man, I hope this uh, session has really helped people understand that, yeah, uh, you know, leaders and spiritual uh, influencers are people and, you know, yeah. and uh, we actually talked about the whole idea of like, you know, we, we can't be a product. I mean, people need to understand that as, as leaders, we're, we're not a product. We are actually people and uh, we struggle. And the good thing about that is that because we are people, other people who are listening to this, um, you know, can actually step into their calling and step into their uh, um, obedience, uh, and even if it's challenging or even if it's like uh, so big and they're like, I, I'm going to fail. It's okay. It's okay to do that. So super uh, thankful for her, man. It was a great conversation. Yeah, so good. So good. If you guys are enjoying this uh, as much as I am, man, we would love for you to um, to stay tuned for more. First of all, we're going to be, we're in this season right now. And, and so far, if you haven't listened to the first three, go back and check those out. Uh, like them, share, subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on any of the platforms. And um, man, we just, we just, we really want to get this out. So if you're listening to this and it has blessed you in some sort of way, help us by sharing this uh, on your social media page or just by telling a friend, sending them the link. Right, Naeem? I mean, it, it, we can't do this alone. So yes, of course. Yeah. Love the support, guys. Let's share this. Definitely. Well, thank you guys for listening. We'll be back. Uh, with episode four of The Dark Rooms coming up. So thank you guys. Have a great week. Talk to you later, Name. See you guys. Yeah.